welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. starting in chapter 7, verse 36. So one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known what sort of woman this is, and who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, answering him, said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I'm Mike, one of the leaders here. And uh, a couple things. Uh, wow, this Before we jump into this passage, uh, first, um, just want to talk about BOGs, our body life groups, for a second, because I was actually, and, and also church planting, kind of in the same room. So I was in Florida this week with the largest church planting conference, I think, definitely in North America, maybe even the world. Um, and and it, was, it was really good just to be around a bunch of church planters and talk and those things. And it was really awesome that, uh, like Missy and I didn't coordinate that. It was really awesome that you talked about that in, uh, in, in the offering today. But I was just so rejuvenating to know that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, right? Like, we're, we're not just some, some church here in a huge city. We are part of planting churches around the world. We're part of this larger kingdom movement, whether we're directly involved or indirectly involved. And I just want to encourage you that, uh, with that this morning, that like, whatever you're going through, whatever you went through, like, know that you've entered into a space with the body of Christ that is part of something much bigger than yourself and even much bigger than your own personal story. 
And our stories sometimes, our own personal stories, can, can just like totally distract us. Our circumstances can, can just totally take us off path. But when you look at the forest for the trees and see what God's doing and have a bigger picture that God is doing something in the world and we're a tiny but significant piece, you, us, me, uh, a part of that, like that should encourage you and push you forward in, in whatever your circumstances are this morning. But then two, I was in Florida and it seems like whenever I'm gone, our body life group, our BLG, our small group, has an amazing time. <laughs> Yeah, they're all like, they're all here like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's way better without you. I think I'll start going to a different one. Um, I think, uh, maybe I'll go over to Adam's, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and it was, and our, our small groups are patterned over talking about the passage before we preach it. So if you're not part of a small group, like, get into one, check one out. That's where you're going to find community. That's where you're going to actually live out the one another's and do the one another lifestyle. Uh, and that's where you're going to learn how to hear, trust, and obey uh, the voice of God. And, and so that's why we don't talk about the passage after, uh, in our small groups after I preach it. We talk about it before. So it's trying to teach you how to do this on your own through the scriptures, right? So they were doing it, and it was just such an amazing time of transparency and transformation from what I heard. Um, I mean, out of it now, someone wants to be baptized. Like, there was healing. There was I mean, you guys are just speaking into one another's lives. It was, it was so cool uh, from what I hear. I wasn't there. Uh, but uh, so I just want to encourage you guys, if, if, you're, if you've been checking out Trinity Life for a while, uh, check out a small group and, and get into a body life group. We call it body life because you can't do life on your own. It has to be in the body. So check that out. And I think every night during the week we have one, almost maybe except Friday and Saturday. And... They're all over the city, so. All right, so this series, Welcome Home. This is our second week into the series. We talked about welcome healing last week. This week we're talking about welcome forgiveness. And, and as we go through the series, uh, the point of this is to show you how Jesus shares his faith, and he's a model for us. It's to show us how we should share our faith. A lot of times what we do when we share our faith is we start with beliefs. Do you believe this? Jesus died on the cross, you know, this man 2,000 years ago that, that people don't know today, he died on the cross, he, he did it for your sins, uh, if you don't believe in him, you're going to hell, and believe in him because he was resurrected three days later, and he lives today at the right hand of the Father, and you can have that. And people are like, what? Like, what, what does it even mean? Like, you want me to trust in a guy from 2,000 years ago? that died on a piece of wood as a criminal, and that he forgives my sins, and his blood covers that? Like, think about the language that we use when we share our faith. And, and most of the time, like, it's not, and I talked about last week how, how when we talk about evangelism, our, how in our culture now, we used to be apathetic to it, now we, um, or, or then we move to not just being apathetic, but it being awkward and uncomfortable, and now it's like morally wrong. Like 50% of Christians think, oh, it's just wrong to even share a faith. And that's probably because we're doing it wrong, right? And so we started to switch the how of how we do it. And we see Jesus, what he does, what he starts out with is he welcomes people into healing. And he, and he tries to show them they need that. Today we're talking about welcoming people into forgiveness, and he's trying to show them that they need that. And, and instead of going straight for beliefs, what if we just went straight to relationship? What you've received from Jesus, you get to give to others. 
And if you receive healing, you get to give it. If you receive forgiveness, you get to give that. So we're going to talk about forgiveness this morning as it's built off of healing. And you'll see throughout this entire series that there's a progression that goes through the series to where it's welcome healing, welcome forgiveness, next week's welcome abundance, welcome sacrifice, welcome expectation, I think we'll end, and then we'll end with welcome home, which is the name of the series. So we'll, we'll take you through that entire progression in the hopes of, of showing us how to share our faith better. And then BLGs, our small groups, will come alongside that and, and, and push that forward as well. All right. So I used to be a youth pastor, like a long, long time ago. I was a youth pastor when I was in seminary. And I was, I was like the best and the worst youth pastor. Because uh, <laughs> I, I really like to have fun with the kids. And, and, and uh, I really love to, to mess around. But I was like probably too strict. Like, I wasn't like, yeah. So, and, and then I realized too late that youth pastoring is, is actually about, more about parents than it is about the youth. Or, or at least they're equal. And I miss the whole parent side of things. Uh, and it was more family ministry than, than I realized. So when I was a youth pastor, uh, I was at this church in the country, and there's a, a ball field um, a couple miles down the road, uh, like three kilometers down, and uh, we were having a softball tournament. And I was at the church, and there was a softball tournament at, at the softball field, at the baseball field. And the pastor of the church at that time, his name was Corey, uh, I asked him to come pick me up. Well, he didn't have a car, but Missy was at the field, and my car was at the field. So he got in the car, my car, and drove it uh, down the highway. So it's only, it's only about three kilometers, guys, right? And, and, uh, but it's a highway, so you're going, you're going like 80, 100K, right? So he's, he's driving it down, and I'm waiting for him in the, in the front yard, and, and he pulls up, and the car is smoking. Like, I thought it was on fire. Like, there's billows of smoke coming out of the hood. And Peter's smiling over there. Peter's a mechanic. He's like, yeah, yeah, I can just imagine what's happening there. <laughs> um, and, and it smells so bad. Like, uh, and, and you can hear it. When, you, the, when the car comes in, you can hear something's wrong with it. And what he had done is he drove it. And remember, it's only three kilometers. He drove it from the ball field to the church with the e-brake on, right? Imagine the smell of that. So besides, besides the red light on the dashboard, right, that should alert him that something's wrong, the e-brake is on, he didn't know. Like, that was on uh, the car when the e-brake is on, if you've ever done this before, which a lot of people probably do this, uh, it's, Peter's like, yeah, a lot of people do, do this, yeah. That keeps, keeps us in business. Uh, <laughs> The, the e-brake, the, with the e-brake on, you got that red light on, uh, the car is pretty sluggish. It's like you're moving in. It's, it's like you know something's wrong. It's, it's not going like you think it should go. You know, you're pushing down the gas harder than you normally do. It's almost like the car is moving through water, right? If, you can, if you've ever ran through water, it's probably like that. Um, the car is moving through that. And, uh, and there's this horrible stench because there's a lot of friction, there's heat, and there's all this smoke. Right? It just smells like something's burning. And, and if you do that long enough, the car, you can actually permanently damage the car. You can permanently, permanently damage like the, the brake disc or the brake drum, and you can actually warp it through the friction and the heat. 
Okay, Peter's like, yeah, that's right. Okay, you can actually warp, warp that drum, and you gotta get that whole thing replaced. This is a picture of unforgiveness in your heart. When, when, we, when we, and you may think, oh, what's just unforgiveness? Even if it's just a seed, right? This is only three kilometers. Even if it's just a little tiny distance, even if it's just a little seed in your heart and you harbor unforgiveness for, pick your time, a minute, an hour, a day, a week, a year. Some of you guys have unforgiveness in your hearts that's been there for years. That leads to permanent damage. Corey is in the car, guys, and he didn't even realize it. Right? He knew something was wrong, but he needed me to say, hey, based on the smells, based on the sound, based on this, I think you drove here with the emergency brake on. And, I, and I, I was actually the one who released it. I was like, dude, this is my car. <laughs> what are you doing? You just drove through can you ruined it. And, and, and unforgiveness is that in our hearts. Like, if, if we have unforgiveness in our hearts, even a seed, it'll produce heat that leads to anger and resentment. It'll produce friction that leads to smoke and a stench that leads to bitterness and a lack of trust. Right? Some of you guys are dealing with unforgiveness, and you can't trust people anymore. You'll feel sluggish in relationships. Right? You got that unforgiveness on, that e-break on, and you can't move forward in the relationships like you, norm- like, like you should be able to because now you don't trust people. Now there's a skepticism that, that's led to a cynicism. And, and you don't understand why, because you're in the car, and you see a red light flashing, you're like, no, nah, that's, that's okay, I'll just ignore that. You see some smoke, you maybe smell something, you're like, I can't be unforgiveness in my heart, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna put that over there. And sometimes, you need someone from the outside to say, your e-brake's on. Let me help you, let me help you release that. And, and if we let unforgiveness rule and reign in our hearts, where uh, the scriptures say peace of Christ should rule and reign in our hearts, if we let unforgiveness rule and reign in our hearts, then it can permanently warp and damage your heart, your emotions, your mind, and even your physical body. There's a psychiatrist named Karen Swartz. She's at Johns Hopkins, and she says that when, when you have unforgiveness in your heart, it leads to stress, anxiety, depression, increased rate of, uh, increased risk of heart attack. Like, it can actually destroy you physically. Here's a, here's a quote from her. She says, forgiveness is an active process in which you make a conscious decision to let go of negative feelings, whether the person deserves it or not. Guys, I don't, I don't know her background. I don't know if she's a, a follower of Jesus or not, but this is like pure wisdom. As you release the anger, resentment, and hostility, you begin to feel empathy, compassion, and sometimes even affection for the person who wronged you. She says it's just a conscious choice. And right now, if you're living in unforgiveness in your heart, you're consciously choosing that instead of consciously choosing forgiveness. And so this morning, we're gonna see in this passage that Jesus deals with two different people. One, and they have two different reactions to Jesus welcoming them into forgiveness. So here's the bottom line for this morning. It is, and this is, this is what the whole sermon kind of boils down to, 
It's welcoming unforgiveness leads to your undoing. Welcoming forgiveness leads to your freedom. So welcoming forgive, unforgiveness leads to your undoing. Welcoming forgiveness leads to your freedom. So let's go in this passage. It says here, out of Luke chapter 7, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When he says one of the Pharisees here, I just want to remind you who the Pharisees are. We talked about this last week, but let's talk about it again really briefly. The Pharisees were this group of religious right who wanted to purify Israel. And, and they thought if they purify the nation, if they purify individual families and households, it was going to usher in the messianic age. It was going to usher in the kingdom of God. They just said, we have to be pure enough for Jesus to come in. And it was all works-based religion, right? They weren't looking for a Messiah. They weren't looking for a relationship. They were looking for the, a king, a kingdom, to, to release them from the Roman oppressors, right? And they were looking for freedom there. But it was all works-based, okay? And, and then you have this other group in, in the Gospel of Luke, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, that's often called. And, and they're like opposing groups. So you see, we're going to see throughout all these meals that we deal with with Jesus throughout this whole series, that there's these two groups are present. And, and Jesus, in the first in Welcome Healing, he was dining at a table with a tax collector, with Levi. And, and Levi brought all his tax collector friends. And they brought all these other people, all these quote-unquote sinners that the Pharisees called. And, and then you have these Pharisees who are the religious right, and they're indignant. They're like, they don't deserve to be here. They don't deserve to be invited to the table. They don't deserve to be at this party, at this feast, at this meal. And, and what's happened, and that's that culture, and I said what's happened in our culture today is most of us in here, especially in this city, we don't have a problem inviting the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, whoever you want to put in that group, according to the scripture, like whoever you want to put in that group, we don't have a problem inviting them to the table. Right? We're, we're okay with that. The people we have a problem with inviting to the table now are the Pharisees, are the bigots. Right? And so our religious, our, our righteous indignation has just shifted to, ha to having righteous indignation to those who have righteous indignation. Does that make sense? So now, in our culture today, for us, we stand almost in condemnation to those who, who uh, are like what we would call bigots and those things. So Jesus, though, invites everyone to the table. Last passage, tax collectors, sinners, this passage, he's at a Pharisee's house. He does not care who receives the gospel. That's not our job. When you share your faith, you're to share it freely and openly you're not supposed to care who receives it. You're not the one standing in condemnation over people's sins. That's not our job as a church. As a church, though, we've done such a good job of that, which is a bad job, but we've done such a good job of that that we burn bridges with all the people who need Jesus. And that's, that's, why the LGBT, that's why the LGBTQ community hates us. That's why Muslims are scared of us. That's why, that's why any other religion thinks like we're... we're um, we're trying to convert them and control them. That's why the city says, ah, oh, the church is just a parasite. It's because we don't know how to share faith anymore and we don't share it freely with everybody. And so we see Jesus here, he models this for us and he says, yeah, I'm gonna eat at their house and he invited me, I'm gonna eat at his house and I'm gonna show them who I am. So keep that in mind. He goes in here, he's reclining at the table 
And it says, and behold, and I say this a lot, but I can't say this enough, whenever you see that word in the scriptures, behold, it's like a smack in the face. It's like, wake up. You're kind of falling asleep reading the scriptures. Behold, wake up. Uh, verse 37, and behold, wake up, Shang. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Now, a lot of uh, this, pas this passage is in a couple other gospels, and when you hear this passage preached a lot of times, they focus on this alabaster jar, right? There's songs written on this and, and all that. This passage isn't focused on the jar. Uh, if I preach this passage out of another gospel, I might say, oh, there's a cost to discipleship, there's, there's, you have to give up something you deem valuable when you come to Jesus, there's sacrifice involved, you're holding on to something too. I might say those things, but Luke here, he doesn't focus on the cost of this jar. He doesn't focus on the price of it. He just mentions it, and then he moves on, okay? So if you're waiting for an alabaster jar sermon, like that's not, that's not this one. Uh, we're gonna focus, with, focus on what Luke focuses on, and he focuses not on the jar, but on the humility of the woman. Okay, you see here in verse 38, he goes on, he says, she comes in, she's standing behind him, not in front of him, right? She's standing behind him. She's like sneaking up, uh, not in front of him, and she's at his feet. That's the lowest she can go, right? She's at his feet, and she's weeping. She's weeping so much that her tears begin to wet Jesus' feet. So washing someone's feet is, is pretty low, right? We see Jesus do that later in, uh, in the Gospels, and, and he's, he's displaying servant leadership there. So she's not just washing his feet, she's doing it with her tears. And then what does she dry his feet with? Her hair. She takes down her hair, and she dries his feet, and she's kissing his feet, and she anoints them with the ointment. That's humility. That's a tremendous picture of humility, of someone who, who is just humbling themselves before, before Jesus. And it says now, in verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he'd known what sort of woman uh, this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner. He does this little syllogism, right? He says, okay, if Jesus is a prophet, he would know this. He would know what kind of woman this is. He, he, he doesn't know what kind of woman this is. Or else, and, and if he did, he wouldn't let her touch him. But since he doesn't know what kind of woman this is, he can't be a prophet. So he, like, in that one verse, he's dismissing Jesus, right? He's, he's just like, oh, well, it's not, he's not who I thought he was. He did these cool things, right? He's been healing people. He's been, he's been saying things we've never heard before. Uh, he's redefining our faith. But, well, I guess he's not a prophet because he's just allowing this woman to do whatever she wants. And in verse 40, Jesus discerns this, right? He discerns this, and he, this is a gift, a spiritual gift, right? He's, he's, Jesus is full of the Spirit. So he's discerning this, word of knowledge, I'm not sure. But he answers and he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon says, say it. And he gives him this little parable. He says, a certain moneylender, banker, loan shark, 
I mean, that's, that's really what, what is happening here. So someone who, who uh, is lending money um, had two debtors. One owed a pretty big amount, 500 denarii. You don't have to know how much that is and, and the day's wages, all that. Just know it's a lot bigger than 50, right? And the other is 50. Verse 42, when they cannot pay, he canceled the debt of both. Right, so the money lender just cancels both debts, and then Jesus says, now which of them will love him more? And Simon says, and just note on this, Simon is the Pharisee. Simon is not Simon Peter, okay? Just to make that distinction for you, he's not one of the disciples. He's, he's the Pharisee. Simon answers, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt, and Jesus says, well, you've judged rightly. And then we see here, Jesus talks to Simon, and then he's gonna to talk to the woman. So in the next few verses, he's talking to Simon here. Uh, even though it says he turns to the woman, he's, he's talking to Simon. And he says, do you see this woman? I came into your house, you gave me no water for my feet, you didn't wash my feet. She's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. I'm like, you didn't even kiss me on the cheek, Jesus says. And she's kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, like just olive oil, right? This is a common practice. But she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. You see, Simon doesn't, there's two things here that he doesn't recognize. One, he doesn't recognize who is standing before him. And two, he doesn't recognize how much he needs him. Right? Simon doesn't recognize that this guy is a prophet, that he's actually the son of God. He's more, he's more than that, but he's the great prophet who they've been waiting for. He doesn't recognize him for himself how much he needs Jesus in this moment. The woman is the opposite. And Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. And in verse 49, everyone's astonished by it because they're like, well, who, who, how can he say this? Even he forgives sins? Like, how can he do that? Because today we think, today it's, it doesn't seem as much of a big deal because, because we can forgive because Jesus has forgiven us, right? Um, we have the Catholic Church that has priests that forgive sins and, and those things, but this is all before that, right? And Jesus is forgiving sins. So this says that, he is the mediator. There, he is the savior. He is the Messiah. He is, he is divine because only God can forgive sins. So he's making a huge statement here. And so he says, and so, so they're asking this question. He says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So her reaction is, is, totally, is, is totally different because two things. She recognizes who's standing before her and she recognizes how much she needs him. Simon doesn't recognize those things. She recognizes those things. And you see her reaction to it is one of humility and an expression of love. And she's, she's just humbled herself before him, kissing his feet, uh, giving up her most valuable possession probably without even thinking twice. And Simon is there, and, and he's just standing in condemnation over this woman. And he says, well, Jesus isn't a prophet. And he's totally missed it. Why? Because he has unforgiveness in his heart. 
and she's receiving forgiveness. And guess what, guys? Jesus can smell that. And he knows that's in his heart. And he knows Simon thinks he doesn't need what this woman needs because Simon thinks he's better than her because Simon is, is more put together on the outside than she is. Or he thinks he is. But Jesus sees right through that. Jesus sees right through all of that. And we don't get to see Simon's full reaction. Uh, we don't actually even get to see the woman's full reaction. Uh, but think about that. Jesus is in his house. This is his host. Jesus is standing outside the car. And he said, you got the e-brake on. Like, and he's publicly humbled this guy in front of everybody. Right? Uh, through the guy's own admission. And so it's pretty safe to say that this guy didn't react very well. I don't know how you react to being publicly humbled, but pretty safe to say he didn't react, he didn't react well. And, and guys, we have here this, this account of, of two people who, one who is a social outcast, this woman, one who has immense social standing, this Pharisee, and Jesus is giving the gospel to both of them. And he's saying, you both need this. You both need this gospel. And two different reactions, one of humility, one of, one of almost arrogance. And I'm not and Jesus, there's something I wanted to say to you guys in here. I don't think I have it on the, on the screen. But, but he, he operates in a way, you see, he doesn't even think twice with forgiveness. He just forgives. And I get it, guys. Like, forgiveness is hard. Right? Forgiveness is, forgiveness is really hard. And unforgiveness, oddly enough, even though it's very negative, it's evil, that it's not of Jesus, is oddly comforting. And we like to live in it. You know that feeling in your chest, in your stomach? You're like, I, this, is, this is actually kind of comforting to me because I feel like and you don't want pain and suffering, but you're, you're like, yeah, like, they hurt me, and I can sit in this. And I get that forgiveness is hard to give. But Jesus here, he doesn't think twice. And Simon is standing there in condemnation over this woman. And she didn't even sin against him. All of her sins, guys, are against Jesus. And he forgives her freely. And Jesus wants freedom for both parties at this time. He wants both of them to come. He loves Simon just as much as he loves this woman. He wants both of them to receive freedom. And he sees that Simon is being undone by his own unforgiveness. And he has to take a harsher approach, approach with Simon, right? He, it's, it sounds harsh. It's, it's, a, little, it's a little hard. Like, 
It's, but, but you can see that, that if you know that Jesus loves them, there's truth there. He's, he's walking forward in truth and love. And he does the same with this woman, and he offers both forgiveness in this moment. And one person is happy with the cage. Simon is happy with it. He's okay just sitting there in his cage. He's okay sitting there in his negative feelings. And we have this thing in our culture today where, you know, counselors will tell you this, therapists, people will tell you this, hey, sit in your feelings, it's okay. You need to deal with your negative feelings. Yeah, just sit in there. No, guys, the Bible doesn't say that. The scriptures do not say sit in your negative feelings. Now, you may need to confront your negative feelings, but it does not say to dwell in those. Philippians 4 says, set your mind on things that are what? True. True. Commendable, worthy of honor, praiseworthy, excellent. Those aren't negative. Those are positive. In in Colossians 3, it says, set your mind on things that are above, your heart on things that are above, where, where who is seated at the right hand of the Father? Christ Jesus. What does that mean? His work is done. He's overcome your your negative feelings. He's overcome all these things. And you say, you don't get it. You have no idea what this person did to me. You say, you don't know what she said to me. You're saying right now, uh, you don't know how they made me suffer. You're saying, "You you don't know how they wronged me and how much pain they've caused me, and I don't care. I don't care, guys, because when I... Because I'm standing outside the car, and, and I can look at you, and we can look at each other in community, and we can say, we care about what it's doing to you right now. Yeah. Like, who cares what that person did to you in the past? You are perpetuating that hurt, pain, suffering by harboring forgiveness in your heart now. And we see the smoke, and we smell the stench. And it's not good. You are not giving off the aroma of Christ. You're giving off the aroma of condemnation. And you have to forgive, guys. If you, I'm tired of followers of Jesus saying, you, you're forgiven, my sins are forgiven, I'm forgiven, and you not forgiving other people. If we are riddled in forgiveness, in unforgiveness as a church, we'll never reach this world. We'll never reach each other. How can we invite someone into that? Right? We're supposed to welcome people into forgiveness, and here we're, we're harboring things in our own heart. And again, you're, you're like, I know you're mad right now <laughs> because people get mad when I say this to them. And I'm like, I, I, just, I don't care what that person did to you in the past. You're letting it affect you now, and I care about you right now and what it's doing to you right now. And you're in a cage. You are you are okay with resentment, you're okay with anger, you're okay with bitterness, and you're not living in abundance. And that's what Jesus wanted for you. That's what he's called you to. First Corinthians 2 says you have the mind of Christ and you're living in the mind of the enemy. You have the mind of Christ. You're a child of light, Ephesians says. Walk forward in that. But yet you're content with walking forward in darkness. Unforgiveness only, is, only undoes you. That person who did something to you, they're not even thinking about it probably. They don't even care. They don't know how it's tearing you up inside. And you're letting them have that power, and it's evil. Because you're letting the enemy have his way in your heart. When what's offered to you is freedom. And Jesus takes a hard approach to Simon here, right? Because he's got to break him out of that cage. The woman, she stepped out of it herself. 
because she saw Jesus had opened the doors already. And you're in a cage with open doors. And your open door is Jesus right there. And guys, the church, we're never going to be the church. We're never going to affect our city. You're never going to be a person of influence in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in this community, in St. Jamestown, in whatever place of influence you have, if you're harboring unforgiveness. Because all it's doing is producing the fruit of the enemy. It's not producing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's producing the fruit of the enemy. Bitterness, anger, resentment, disunity, discord, strife, stress, anxiety, depression. You know, we can go on and on and on about the things that, that the enemy loves to produce in us that are not of the Spirit. And, and he wants us to live in peace and abundance and joy. 8.1, the, the next chapter here, says this. Soon afterward, Jesus went through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And it says all these women were with him too. And he's proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. This is what we have to bring to people, guys. And if we can operate in forgiveness because we've been forgiven, then we get to do that. And if you guys, if, if we want to sit in unforgiveness, we'll never be able to do that. We'll never be that church because we're riddled with unforgiveness. So guys, look, look around you. If there's someone in this room that you have a relationship issue with, I, just go to them and seek forgiveness and seek reconciliation. If there's someone in your life that you have this seed of bitterness and, and unforgiveness with, then, then go to them and seek reconciliation because all it's holding back is you from following Jesus. You're sluggish right now in your relationships. Why? Unforgiveness is on in your heart. There's a red light flashing right now before you. That's me speaking. That's unforgiveness in your heart. The stench, the heat, the friction, the, the, the smoke, that's all unforgiveness in your heart. And I want you to be free of that today because Jesus has freed you of that. And we get to step forward in forgiveness because he's forgiven us. And if you are a follower of Jesus today, you are called to forgive. And you're called to offer radical forgiveness to this world. Because it's not about what people do to you. Jesus said you will suffer. And Peter says, Jesus, how often do we forgive? And I hear what you're saying. You're like, you may be thinking, oh, that's not unforgiveness in my heart. Like, that's something else. Like, I'm okay, I'm okay. But every time you're reminded of that instance, do you feel a pang in your heart? Every time you hear a person's name, do you feel like, oh, I wish, or, oh, why did they, or, oh, like, Gosh, that happened, uh, and then you just, you just push it away, right? That's unforgiveness. That's the seed that is causing permanent warping damage to your heart, to your soul, to your mind, to your emotions, to even your physical body. And Peter says, how often, Jesus? How often do we forgive? Like, even if someone does the same offense over and over and over and over and over again, how often? And Jesus says, as many times as it takes. 
as many times as it takes. That's radical. That's forgiveness that is hard to give out unless you know you've received that type of forgiveness from Jesus. How many of you sin the same sin over and over and over and over again? And Jesus still forgives you as many times as it takes. That's the type of forgiveness we're to offer. And if you've truly received that, if you truly realize what he says here in this passage, when he says this to Simon, that he who is forgiven little loves little, you know what he's saying to him there? He's saying, Simon, you don't realize how much forgiveness you need and how much you've received. You don't think you need it, so you love little. When we realize how much Jesus has done for us, our love, we can't contain our love, right? We're defined by love. We're people of love. We're a church of love. We're a community of love. We, our light is love because God is love. And we get to give that to our city. And if you're not a follower of Jesus in here this morning, that's what's offered to you. That's what we want to offer to you. We wanna welcome you into forgiveness. We want you to have a seat at the table with sinners like me and others in here because we recognize who is standing before us and we recognize how much we need him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for just how, how you forgive without thinking twice. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that even when they nailed you on the cross, when you were bleeding and dying and humiliated publicly, you said, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. And so we lay ourselves at your feet, Lord Jesus. We love you. We lay ourselves at your feet and say, thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your healing. And God, if there's any unforgiveness in this room, in our hearts, Father, release us of that. You have released us. I don't know why I'm praying. Like, I pray that we just step into that release, that we would step into what you've already done for us. Because it's just hurting us. It's, it's causing us to, to be sluggish. It's causing us to give off an aroma of condemnation. So Jesus, show us what that means to step forward in that, to experience your freedom through forgiveness. We ask this in your name. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.